Blended. Welcome to Marketing Blend, where I give you everything you need to know that's going on in the marketing industry. And some days it's a lot, some days it's not so much, but there's always something going on because you know that marketing changes like cray cray or crazy. If you don't know what cray cray means, it, it happens. I mean, newfangled things. Anyways, I'm your host, Brett Dyster, and let's get on with it. All right, looks like uh, Percolate came out with a study that uh, had an interesting thing about some hidden cost of content marketing or creating content marketing I should say uh, but still basically about content marketing the thing was is that um, doing advertisement distributing advertising and other marketing content it's about 60 cents 67 cents is spent on combined uber line items of creating that content and measuring its effectiveness so through all that process about 67 cents which is not that much, actually, uh, which is which is an interesting thing. It's an, an there are necessary costs as well as associated with this. So it's not just oh, it's only cost sixty seven cents to do everything. No, it's just like one part, one piece of the pie is a part of that. Anyways, <laughs> moving on. I hope that was actually you know understandable. But it's just one, just one piece of the whole marketing pie. That sounds a lot better. Uh, but moving on, there was uh, 61% of those of those marketing exec survey reported that non-working ad spent increased from 2014 to 2015. 56% said that they expect their non-working ad spent to rise yet higher in 2016. That's right. So what does it mean by non-working ads or uh, something more along the lines of that? Is that it? It, it kind of there, there's always a cost so you have all these different types of marketing initiatives going on especially depending on how big or small you actually are so when you actually do this there's sometimes when things don't actually work out things don't actually get approved in a timely manner and some things just go by the wayside also uh you, you have to know that sometimes it just when you're doing stuff like this like in all somewhat creative fields some of it just never actually pans out or works out. That's usually what I found with a lot of this now. But what's a little bit more interesting is that um, for non-working ads uh, and being a, to consume large pieces of the pie, on average, a company with a $10 million uh, marketing budget will spend $1.8 million or 18% on advertising production costs. Whereas a company with a $1 billion marketing budget will spend $270 million on it, or 27% of the, of the budget of the same thing. Uh, so, you know, th there's that to consider as well. Um, but it is a little bit interesting of a look at on what actually matters, the ratio-wise, um, as... Brands get bigger and the uh, pull to, you know, get more people in and that, you know, that, that big push, that big ramp up. You're going to find a lot of initiatives or ads or content marketing kind of left by the wayside, not really doing anything and kind of lost in the shuffle because you get that breaking point where it's just so many things are running, so many things are going, so many things are doing that you have to sometimes uh, just get, you know, just get lost and just maybe even have to refocus it. Now, what they said about this and about um, 
making sure that most, if not all of your ads, but most of your ads or most of your content marketing is actually being made, fulfilled, and pursued is, uh, well, in a way, is to actually have kind of more of a streamlined uh, communication, streamlined way of, you know, getting rid of these inefficiencies, or as they call it, uh, there's they say there's too much friction in marketing activities that are, that are routine. The entire process must improve and, it, and accelerate to reach as many people as you can without delays and duplications of effort because marketing inefficiencies have become a serious hindrance to growth. So what I kind of gather from this and what I seem to see from my marketing brand is that there needs to be a streamlined process, and this is always a reoccurring thing, and this is always a process of going back through it. Is it streamlined enough? Is this efficient enough? What needs to be changed? What work? What didn't work? And always going through that, probably, maybe if it's extremely new, maybe month to month, and eventually maybe six months, uh, and then eventually maybe a yearly type of look back at how well did it do, how well did we... Uh, get our advertising and content marketing out how well did we not you know have inefficiencies or duplication of effort because that is also a big problem waste of time so that's if you're marketing you might or marketing exact you might want to look at that and see what you can do with that as well then moving on google has just announced a lot of free versions of the different types of 360 platforms so the first one is the optimized one and there's an optimized beta out right now, or you can uh, sign up for it right now. Uh, and so what you can do with this is that you can optimize your site uh, to run efficiently. Apparently efficiently is my word of the day. Uh, but run well, uh, be able to test landing pages, and use an optimized tools that integrates directly in with Google Analytics, which is also a great thing because nowadays you have different types of formats uh, coming out for the web, you have uh, instant articles, you have Apple News, you also have uh, Google Accelerated Mobile Pages. So there's all these different kinds of uh, different types of uh, platforms to consider. That's where we remember platforms. Platforms to consider. So be sure you're on top of that. Be sure to use these tools, especially if there's a free version. Be sure to use these because these are there for you. And even though Google has made it for uh, 360 Studio, the 360 version of it, they still made free uh, versions, so you should you know take a look at that. Also, what's coming out is the Data Studio. So there's a free version of the Data Studio 360 uh, in a beta, will, which will be released shortly. Um, it will only be in the U.S., uh, so if you're not in the U.S., I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, but there will be new reporting templates will be available for the Google Google Data Studio starting next month and the templates that will make it uh, much easier to start building and sharing reports, which is also another big, big thing with marketing people. We always have to share reports of what's going on with the website, with uh, how, with the um, attributions or, you know, conversions from social media to the site, what AdWords is doing, uh, if you do video ads, what are they doing as well? All these different types of things, new users, turning users, where we, where are we missing it, where are we not missing it, uh, e-commerce as well. Uh, so there's all these different reports that all these different, that bo your boss or several different bosses or a leadership team may want to know. So this is a great way of just 
getting different templates out for different types of people to know specifically what they need and what they want. Um, data sources include Google Analytics, AdWords, Google Sheets, and more. So you have options, which is another great thing. Also, a new metric is session quality score. That's right, um, which is in its beta, but with this, um, you'll be able to see uh, high session quality, low session quality, and all users. But with a new session quality score built into analytics using machine learning to predict the likelihood of visitors making a transaction purchase on your site or app, which is huge. I mean, this is one of those things where you need to know which ones are going to be doing it. And with this tool, it could actually help you figure out the session quality score and who is likely to uh, spend money on you, who is likely not to spend money on you. And that could be good for e-commerce managers or people that are specifically doing e-commerce or being part of the app. And you have an in-app store or you have, or you have uh, in-app purchases or freemium models. Whatever it is, this is something that is going to be huge and you probably should uh, look into that report a little bit more now with its high session quality and low session quality and figure out what's that's going on. There's also Tag Manager, the uh, in integration with 20 more data sources. That's right. So you'll actually be able to see uh, 20 new integrations with data sources like Quantcast, Twitter, Bing, Nielsen, and others. So you got quite a bit of uh, data sources as well. Um, so what happens is that instead of doing a custom HTML tag, what it's going to have is gonna, there's going to be Google stuff, custom, and then more. And the more will have different types of uh, data sources that you can integrate with it. And the list is growing as well. So be on the lookout for that. Test it out. Check it out. Because you only need to check it out. Uh, and well, just be sure you're on top of this and learning all the new stuff that's coming out from Google Analytics. It's a, it's, a, it's a big thing, people. It's a big thing. All right. Also, Google is finally launching cross-device retargeting. That's right. Uh, for a while now, we've learned that people may start with one device and purchase it from another device, and that's huge but the problem is that with analytics and Google marketing campaigns it just really wasn't giving you the data point what happens was is that when a user when the same user goes into his phone and checks it out then leaves and then goes to his desktop then uh, it'll be two different uh, users IDs so you won't actually get the same one and so that would always be a problem because Google for a while has used cookies and mobile IDs to identify users for remarketing lists. So you could be remarketing the same person three, four, five times depending on how many different devices they actually use. Because it actually wasn't all go, well, all trying to do one user, instead you're getting one user with different devices that may, that actually may, would have been like five users instead, which really made it kind of a headache. Because I would be like, ah, why am I retargeting this one person five times? I don't want to do that. I want to do it once and have him transition through, uh, you know, marketing loop and go and you make the transaction. Maybe he starts on his desktop, goes to his mobile phone, but I keep the same user ID no matter what. Because that's important as well. So, with this, 
as announcement from Google is that we are introducing cross-device remarketing for Google Display Network and double-click bid manager to help you reach the same user across devices, apps, and sites. You can now tell a single story to your audience and decide how frequently they see your ads across devices. So it just gets a lot smarter and you you aren't going to give them like, hey, you should check out this device or this site or device, whatever. But hey, check out this uh, site. Instead of be like, oh, wait, you were looking at this when they go from their phone to their desktop. So they're like, oh, that's interesting and weird. Uh, but with this, uh, Google's following Facebook's lead in the cross-device remarketing. Uh, and it's just going to make... Well, it's going to make advertising a lot a lot better. I mean, I hate to say privacy. Yes, I love privacy. But however, if you want really good ads, marketers and advertisers actually need data to actually give you the best ads. Because if they don't, you're not going to get the best ads, and you're just going to be frustrated. You're going to turn on the ad blocker, and you know how that goes, everybody. Um, but uh, as I said before, and this is actually from the study, that 60% of online conversions in the U.S. started on one device and on another. So that's why there needs there this needed to happen. There needed to be a cross device remarketing tool because there left large gaps in the marketer's ability to basically reconnect with returning users and you know get those returning users to come back, which is the biggest thing. Um, and it also means that uh, marketers had less control over frequency capping. So, because you have would have different types of user IDs, but the same user, which is never a good thing. You don't want to have that. It's terrible. But it's great to see that it's, it's actually happening. Google's also testing out demographic targeting in search, which is another great thing. They've had they've had that uh, option for Google Analytics for years now. But it's good to actually see them actually using that, so you can specifically. Um, target them in search for age groups because that's another important thing, especially if you're a specific uh, business that is, that is just targeting a specific age group. This is another great thing. And looks like AdWords and uh, Google Analytics is going to get much, much better. A little less privacy, though. So if you're a little bit of a, one of those privacy people, I will stay away from Google altogether. Maybe go to DuckDuckGo or something like that. Teach his own. Uh, Google has updated Penguin to 4.0. That's right. 3.0 was launched on October 17, 2014. So two years later, Penguin has launched 4.0. And it is real in real time this time. Yay, real time. Yay. Uh, but Penguin was able to capture sites that are spamming on Google search in ways that Google's regular spamming system may not detect. And that was introduced in 2012. Now it's going to be doing real time so you don't have the headache of waiting for a while for this to, you know, update it and recirculate back through so you have a real-time thing so you'll actually get a lot faster in Google recrawls and re-index pages uh, so you won't have that uh, you won't be indexed for spamming because that's never a good thing on on search uh, that negatively impact your SEO so it's a good thing that they've actually done this it's a good thing it's actually in real time now because that needed to happen but it took two years in the making and we're finally here yes people finally here woo all right, moving on to Oracle. Oracle has updated its marketing cloud to allow well, for some interesting things. So this week, the tech giant uh, said it, it's 
program canvas is the consumer focus response sys was being updated with a new name of orchestration canvas and a new look in addition to web and mobile web so you have that finally they welcome Oracle to the mobile web of you know cross-platforming it's all right Google took a while too um, but uh, that's another great thing. Another interesting thing for this as well is kind of what is availed as the mobile the mobile app visual editor to Oracle Maximiers. Uh, this tool allows uh, Marketing Cloud to enable A-B testing for a multivariate testing via drag and drop uh, interface. So you can do kind of a line, look at different types of inputs or different types of um, clicks and figure out the best way to do uh, A-B testing for the best uh, way to maximize uh, returning users and people to keep on using it. Because that's always a thing that needs to happen. Uh, but it's good to actually find that Canvas is actually working pretty well. Moving on to some Twitter news. Now, Twitter has updated one of its ads. Uh, it's changed a little bit. So before, it was more of a uh, conversion slash clicks was part of um, more of just viewing our visitors as well and some sites just want visitors some sites want clicks or conversions so they split off the two ads to be uh, specific to one so some brands only want uh are in the market for uh site visitors and nothing's changed on that objective at all it's the same as it is as it always been but for the new one for the clicks and the conversions uh, you're going to have to place in tw a, a twitter's website tag to the site and it's used to track people uh, to do on that site as well and it connects the behavior to their Twitter profiles too and this is a kind of requirement to do the conversion objectives as well uh, that's the only way to actually do that so you're gonna have to go on the back end a little bit or find your IT person or whoever or your web developer or whoever you have make sure that's all set up if you can do it yourself more power to you um, what happens is that as the avatar completes those steps Twitter will use the website tags and data it collects about the people who visit its own site or app and pick out which ones are more likely to visit the brand's site and convert. So this one, especially for those that are looking for people to actually you know, buy their product or buy this or install an app, this is probably the best one for you because this will usually help and more likely help uh, you find the best or quality customers um, that are actually going to be you know, converting uh, to what you want and the objective is to install your app or to buy a specific type of thing that you're wanting to do especially if you're doing a lot of sales so that's another thing uh, and what it has seen is that uh, advertisers have used the conversion only objective notched two and a half times more conversions from their ads and then they did when using the previous web clicks or conversion objectives according to Twitter so Let's take that with a grain of salt because, well, you'll find out later that, uh, well, Facebook, well, Facebook didn't really do a good job with one thing. But yes, it looks like it works pretty well, so I would use that instead to make sure you do due diligence to follow the proper steps and procedures so it will actually work properly because we usually won't work. All right, starting today, anybody can do Moments. Yes, Moments is open to all users, so now you're going to have a button to allow you to, um, well, Set up a moments for you. So this could be an interesting way for brands to, you know, set up specific moments for them to share specific things as well. Uh, so it could be a good thing for brands as well. 
It looks interesting. It could be an epic failure. The reason why Twitter is doing that because it just has not worked well for them. They they did it to you know kind of be a news aggregator, and it didn't really work as intended. Uh, but with that thing, it's a it's a simple process of of uh, saying you know tweets you you like tweets by account, tweet search or tweet link, and then um, uploading a picture, a cover photo, and then publishing it. And seeing if this helps out. Now there new there will be a new button for this as well, so be on the lookout for it. Test it out, brands. I mean, there's nothing nothing wrong for people to test this out and see if this actually works out or not. I'm still on the fence with moments. I never actually use moments, to be honest with you. I think I accidentally clicked it once. I went, ah, get out, get out, run away, run away. But for Twitter to actually see a more effective way of using their platform in general. This could be a way for um, users and brands to actually use this more effectively. And maybe, hey, you have, which is coming up in a couple days, National Podcasting Day, do a National Podcasting type of graphic and make a moment like that. That's another great thing. So there you go. All right, there's a new study. There's two studies, actually, excuse me, two studies about what kinds of campaigns and mobile ad formats work the best. But... That one's a little skewed, so I'll talk about it a little bit, but what I really want to talk about is um, cross-platforming uh, or doing different ads on different platforms. Now, when you just did one platform, there was about a 29% of ROI, but when you went up to different platforms, it gained quite a bit. So it went to 29 to 31 to 24. Well, that's... Let me, let me take it back different types of platforms as well so it went up dramatically when you did uh more than one platform um now if you did different types of digital tv and print it went up even more significantly so when you when you had the the, say for instance consumer age 1824 for instance the optimal mix we found to be 71 percent traditional media so tv radio print and 29 percent Digital, including ad, in other words, it's not just mobile. So, what needs to happen here is that you need to do your mobile, obviously, because everybody consumes a lot of that nowadays. But you also need to still not forget TV, radio, and print. Uh, even though radio isn't as popular as it used to be, it's still a pretty popular platform. Podcasts, like the one I'm doing now, is a lot more popular, and it's 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 people say it's in its golden days as of right now but do not forget the old school media because that will give you a lot better uh, conversion rate as well um, there's also a kicker effect when television is added to the digital spending digital plus TV the port found an increase of ROI 60% that's right quite a bit right there um, but like I said um, be sure you're on multiple platforms and be sure there's a uni uh, unity between all the ads so uh, there is kind of this uh, memory activation is enhanced through that. So if your ads are kind of the same or kind of all unified together to you know help someone remind about it, it will help it in the long run. It will help people you know use their brain and go like, wait, what's that again? Oh yeah, but it's be like, oh I remember that exactly that and so It'll be quick, and it won't be as um, time-consuming for people to think what it is. But yeah, um, take a look at that now. 
There was another study for ads on mobile. There's adhesion ads, which are banners at the bottom. Uh, there's in-stream ads, which are banners in the middle. There's uh, inters, uh, there's one that pops out or, or enters Stilla. I'm probably saying that wrong. But those ads that pop out, they kind of like take over your screen. And you have to find the way of clicking the next button. And there's sidekick ads. Now, unsurprisingly, the one that this company does, called Kangaroo, Kangaroo Media Science, says that sidekick was the best one. Whoa! Um, uh, adhesion was the least engaged. Instream was in the middle, and uh, Interstilia was uh, the most aggravating of them all because people were just looking to find a way to get out of it. And surprisingly, Sidekick was the best conversion rate because it was not as intrusive. You click out of it, it was just a little bit more interactive. So take it as it is. Um, but I would not do the pop-out ones anymore because people just don't like them as much as it seems. They just want to read the content. They want to read the content. Anyways, moving on to Periscope has updates with a VIP package. That's right. They, Periscope has a VIP program, and, it, and it's delineated to bronze, silver, and gold. So bronze requires about 10,000 followers and an average of 200-plus total live views Per broadcast, and you have to do at least two broadcasts per week on average. And um, you get benefits including care package to look on point with broadcasting, uh, featured visibility and search results, and across the latest materials and best practice guides for creating great broadcasts. Silver requires 30,000 followers, 300 plus total views per broadcast, and at least two broadcasts. Per week on average. Perks include uh, future discovery products, prioritized support, private broadcast from the Periscope team, and a Slack channel for collaboration. Now the gold is a hundred thousand followers and about 500 total live views per broadcast and at least two broadcasts per week on average, which is uh, they're all the same. Gold package receives all of the perks from bronze and silver tiers plus elevated access to collaborate with the Periscope team. Now, um, there there will be a ramp up participation across the uh, across the board, and it, people can come to Periscope with inviting to actually be on this as well. But there has to be a growth to their audience to ensure that Periscope participation will be consistent. So, if you're wanting to do this, you have to really show them that you want to do this. And I want to be a part of this, and they'll be like, ah, okay, whatever. So. It should be interesting what this actually does and how much participation it actually brings to Periscope because they've been under attack from uh, YouTube when they're going to release their live version and Facebook Live, which is their main thing as well. Um, so it should be interesting to see what that will entail. I just never understood why they never actually went into gaming live streaming as well and actually did a part of that. But if the rumors are true... And if Google actually buys them, they won't have to worry about that anymore because they will already have that with uh, YouTube Gaming. Well, moving on to Facebook. Facebook announced that it has surpassed 4 million brands with 20% buying video ads, which is interesting because there was a controversy about, well, their, well, they didn't really, uh, their measurement for uh, video ads weren't really the best for two years, and you didn't really notify anybody about that until someone figured it out, which is another, another great thing. But going back to this, 
Um, Facebook, uh, in about a six-month span, went from 3 million to 4 million advertisers in less than seven months. Um, that is, and Twitter only claims about 130,000 advertisers in the fourth quarter of 2015, as opposed to Instagram that has 500,000 brands buys its ads each month. Um, so that's that's quite a bit. Uh, and then the interesting thing is is that a lot of his video ads, which is not not that surprising because they uh, released the auto the autoplay video ads. Um, but however, that was over. People bought that because of the overinflated uh, metrics that Facebook did, and they corrected, but they didn't correct fast enough because I don't know why they didn't. Because well, actually, I do know why they did. It. They did it because. They were in the news because the, their video plays were getting so well, but I'll talk about that actually next. But moving back, the interesting thing about uh, ad buying is that it's coming a lot from uh, other countries like Vietnam, Indonesia, Greece, Ukraine, and Philippines are ranked, uh, is now ranked among uh, the US, Brazil, Mexico, and the United Kingdom among countries where Facebook added the most advertisers in the past year. So there's a lot of boom in other countries as well. Just because, well, first of all, the U.S. is a little is very saturated with Facebook. It started here, uh, so it's not it's not a big surprise. But I was really surprised about Vietnam, at least, uh, that they have a big uh, ad buying for that as well. I mean, kudos to them and the other countries for that. And uh, let's see what Facebook else will do in the future. However, moving back. To to their controversy is that Facebook overestimated key video metrics for two years. Two years. Good job, Facebook. We're gonna do that. The only reason why it was kind of found out is that Facebook discloses in an advertiser help center, and it said that the company had fixed a new metric. Uh, they had a new introducing a new metric to fix the problem, but someone uh, contacted Facebook, one of the major partners, and said, "Hey, look, what's going on?" And Facebook was like, "Well." You may have overestimated average times uh, spent watching video by by anywhere between 60 and 80%. That's really bad because they counted it from 3 seconds and beyond. So if you didn't watch it for more than 3 seconds, you weren't counted. But that's like overestimating by quite a big margin. thing is that the person spoke to him spent, spent about $77 billion on ads around the world in 2015. And the thing is is that when these metrics came out people were like oh video ads on facebook are awesome they're doing so well but we didn't know that well facebook was fudging the numbers for quite a long time another thing we fixed it why didn't you fix it like a year year into it or maybe six months into it you knew there was a problem with it you just didn't fix it because you got all the good news now well people are a little skeptical about it and now there's a call for more third parties to actually look at the data instead of just relying on these companies because like they said his analogy was like it's like grading your own homework you're all, always going to grade yourself really well and if you have other people doing it you won't now they have a new metric that's going to be coming out that's going to fix whatever they did but i mean damage is already done i just don't really understand why they left it like this for so dang long should have gotten this should have been fixed a lot sooner I mean, this is kind of, you know, black eye with them a little bit. I know they'll still be fine for quite a while, but still, it's it's a nuisance. Now, Facebook also announced that they will be uh, finally releasing Facebook at work uh, for enterprise communication in the next few weeks. 
unfortunately, you're gonna have to pay for it. Uh, yes, it's not gonna be a free option, uh, like it, like it uh, was originally announced. There's going to be a paid one for it. Now, the thing is that you can create your own platform, uh, your own uh, not platform, but profile, and talk with your coworkers. Now, Facebook's trying to say that it, it's not just for you know, not um, not for nuisance at work. But it actually is a viable thing for work. And it, and the biggest competitor that they're trying to go after is probably Slack. However, I don't see a reason why to separate it. It just seems like a, another profile that I have to make. And I don't see businesses really going after this, especially if they pay for it. I'd rather pay for Slack or Skype Teams whenever it comes out. But I don't see a purpose for this. Or go to Riot, which is an open source um you know, work uh, communication tool as well, or HipChat, or one of the other ones, Skype even. I don't see a purpose for this. This seems like another just convoluted thing. You also have LinkedIn. But I don't... I mean, I feel like Facebook's trying to take over everything, but I don't see a purpose for this. I get why they're trying to do it. I just do not see a reason. I do not see a good reason, I should say, a really good reason for it. I just feel like it's another thing that Facebook wants to do because they can do a type of a thing. And I could actually see this completely f fail um, when it's, you know, when it's done, when it's over. Uh, but I don't really see this taking off, especially with a paid service. I I mean, it could if someone's team Facebook, but I don't see very many people being team Facebook. We use Facebook, especially for marketing, because we have to. It's the biggest platform. It's the best way to reach people. We just hate it because of the non-organic reach we have. And other things, and so that's why I just yeah, rah, rah, don't like it. Go away. All right, Salesforce has announced well its new commerce cloud. That's right, it bought uh, the platform Demandware and is now creating Commerce Cloud. And what it's actually going to be doing is that it's going to be able to integrate with Apple Pay on mobile devices and provide several capabilities through new company's Einstein layer of artificial intelligence, which is embedded throughout the Salesforce platform. Also. It allows, uh, allows it to integrate with Salesforce and other clouds. Uh, Bernstein cited Amsterdam-based uh, uh, suit supply as men's uh, fashion brand. Consumers can buy a site through social channel or conduct a video chat session with a stylist via service cloud. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to bridge all these other channels into one so it can be one effective way of making sales, which actually is a pretty brilliant way of doing it. I've actually never really used Salesforce, so I can't really say first-hand account if it's actually good or not as a service in general. I know one company I was working for, we're looking to actually integrate it with uh, the other, uh, more with Microsoft, because most companies I work for are Team Microsoft, um, but it looks like uh, that's what it's all about. But, you know, it looks interesting, especially if it can actually uh, do what they're actually saying. So, yeah, check back later, it actually will actually do that. Because sometimes businesses say it's it's all marketing speak because we're all marketers here. Ah, oh, it's gonna do this, and you're just writing this going. I it doesn't do it that well, but we're just gonna. And it's a little false advertising, which you have to you know highlight things that should do or would do. Sometimes they'll always do it. Now I actually want to take a moment to actually talk about uh, something that I've been marinating for a while. But one thing is is when. Uh, brands make a political sting. Nowadays, it's really popular to do that. We had Target do it. We had uh, Sony Pictures do it with Ghostbusters, and and those are just two of the main things. And what I really want to talk about is those things because those were <laughs> the two biggest failures. 
Um, we also had uh, PayPal uh, for uh, North Carolina when they pulled out as well. And you had Palmer Lucky get hit by it too as well with uh, some game developers making a grandstand. Um, a lot of times these are grandstanding, and I'm going to distinguish as grandstanding because a lot of them don't do more than just say, we're against this, and that's kind of all. But they they haven't really done much initiative. It's just good to bandwagon on uh, what's ever popular, what's ever hot. As a marketing PR person, you have to be careful. I usually err on the caution of just don't get involved at all. Unless it's totally imperative to actually do it, do not get involved because there are so many myriad of different things and social media is so married with different types of thoughts that you're never going to win with that. It's a no-win situation. It's like the Kobayashi Maru from Star Trek. Yes, I am a nerd. Uh, And you're just never going to win. For example, Target, when it did its bathroom policy, dropped sales from 20% over a quarter and has said that it's not looking good and they're going to try to, you know, get customers back because of their bathroom policy because people were so upset about twitter taking i mean not twitter target taking this stand that it it really did hit their budget and it hit their revenue and just was never it just wasn't a good idea it was not a good idea whatsoever um and so that was one of them sony for ghostbusters now this was partly the fault of the director in and then the actors or actresses I don't know if you get offended or not but whatever you, you pick one of them uh, but they were trying to sell the new Ghostbusters and it, the, the first trailer was the most disliked trailer in all of YouTube which is never a good title to have the director came out bashing well specific gender and the news media came out bashing a certain gender Sony for the first part was doing that as well and started to backtrack because, especially in the new movie business, you kind of need both genders to actually go see a movie to actually to make it become profitable. Well, it didn't really work. It didn't make money, but it just didn't work. It it wasn't a great success as it could have been. The problem is, is that, like I said, when you take a political stand like that, you have to be really sure about your metrics and that whoever you're going to upset it won't affect your bottom line. If it does, you're in big trouble and you should have never done that that marketing tactic whatsoever. It, it's going to happen more often because pe- because businesses are always going to try to find an angle to actually you know boost revenue and also get gain exposure as well. But you have to look at the long term more than the short term. The short term for Sony was that it got a lot of exposure and a lot of different uh, news sites that were catering to that uh, type of tactic. Uh, enjoyed it and called it kind of like a political act and whatever. So it became more of a hyperbole, and so people people get uh, just atrophied for that. It's just like oh, I'm so tired of this. Uh, and so the problem is that eventually Sony tried to distance itself from it, and it just didn't really work out so well. Uh, people still remember, and you just and people some people went to go see Ghostbusters. A lot of refused to do it. Because they just don't want to get caught in the controversy. And with the accusation of deleting native comments, which is, it it just piled on for Sony. Um, it just, I I saw this going, it, it's not going to recover from this. It's, that movie is just, it will make money, but it just will not, it will not be profitable. And it, it wasn't. Uh, so that's the thing. PayPal for moving out and uh, just, 
pulling its support from North Carolina because of a controversial bill um, and some other things that happened. You know what? The company said that it died pretty quickly and North Carolina still <laughs> made the bill. So it didn't really do anything. It was just grandstanding. There was no, uh, okay, we're going to pull out our business. North Carolina's like, all right, fine. That's that, that's that's it's your thing. But it, it did nothing. They didn't change the outcome whatsoever. So I'm always, I always say, it's, if anybody asks me an opinion about that, I say don't. Don't do it. Stay out of it. Do your business and stay out of it until you are sure that there is minimal blowback to this. If there's a lot of blowback, do not even engage. Just let the public decide on it and just be your business. Also, the problem is that us marketers and PR people now have to coach our um, the higher-ups, CEOs, and those higher-ups to be sure whoever you are, well, you're supporting monetarily does not does not have a negative effect on the business because it can actually now have a negative effect on the business. Now, personally, I don't care whoever the CEO, COO, or CFO, or whoever spends their own money on. That doesn't matter to me. They can spend it whatever they want because it's their money. Um, I think it was relatively childish for game developers to say, oh, we took a stand on oculus because of the ceo I'm, I'm going but what about the other employees that may not agree with the ceo so you're going to penalize them at the same time so i don't think those game developers thought this out thoroughly i don't know if they actually will pull it their game support fully and they may just come back when all the news has died down but they also got some blowback from that too and some potential customers going well fine i guess you don't want my money either and pulling out and that's the blowback you can find so i would be extra careful about that if you are going to take a stand be sure you are understanding the blowback it can do if it's a minimized blowback yes take a stand on it be like we are in full support of this if there is a huge impact on blowback and you can just look at the sentiment from twitter to any social media out there right now especially if it's political based just stay away from it don't even engage with it just Ignore it. Don't even do anything about it because you know what? You're going to lose in the long run. It's not going to be good. It's just going to be terrible for you. And I think marketers and PR people have to do their due diligence to tell the execs and the CEOs and the CMOs to be sure you know what you're doing. Now, do it in a polite way, obviously. Don't be an idiot. What are you doing? But do it in a polite way, but be like, look at from my professional experience and my professional opinion, this does not look like the right uh path to go or the right course of action to go just my two cents about it but moving on to apps slash programs you should try this week so there's something called mobilizers that allows you to uh you know optimize the mobile experience for it as well so it looks like it has different types of services and it's not free as always uh because nothing is ever free um, but it allows you to do mobile UX, mobile CRO, mobile A-B testing, which is always great for marketing. Responsive design, shopping cart optimization was also a great thing. Page speed reduction, which is a huge thing for SEO. And mobile data analysis, mobile SEO, and strategic consulting. Now, the price of it is, there's a free trial, luckily. You get five URL renders, 12-plus real-time mobile device uh, not emulators, unfortunately. Local testing and Chrome extensions and report and, and uh, screenshots. And there's a $49 a month one, which is unlimited URL renders, 12 plus real-time mobile 
devices, non-emulators, local testing and Chrome extension reports and screenshots, Google Analytics integration, automated alerts and renders, and alt unlimited customer support. That's, once again, $49 a month. So check it out, if you, especially if you're in more of the mobile space as well. Now, do you really, 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 really do not like Excel? You think it's like, ah, it's just so much. It's a great tool, but there's just so much going on. I don't know what I'm doing. Well, Airtable is there to help. It's a spreadsheet, and it meets a database as well. And it's super simple, super easy to use. There's a single text line to put in whatever you want, so from restaurants to art galleries to islands. Attachment, currency, multiple, and that's for different types of ones. So you can do to-do lists as well or anything like that. It's super simple, and it's a good way to use for anything from content marketing to other types of jobs as well. So you can do personal CRM as well. Apartment hunting, ooh. Uh, but yeah, there's different types of ways of doing it from software development, event planning, which is another great thing, sales and customers, sales CRM, business development, uh, and everything else in between. Um, and there's also pricing, as always, there's a free one with unlimited bases, 1,200 records slash space, 2 gigs attachment space. And there's $12 a month, $24 a month, and just the, the records and the uh, space for attachments just gets more and more. So you're looking for something that, well, isn't, um, isn't as intensive as Excel. This is probably for you. All right, are you looking for a better way of making great videos without, well, pulling out your head because you don't really know how to use After Effects or Premiere that well? Well, Videolicious, yes, so Videolicious um, allows you to do that as well. It's a fast way to, you know, it's speed, ease, and branding as well. So you can put branding control, and there's also academies to learn more ways of making your video pop. But it's, you can... Do it through mobile or through computer or through tablet. It's a great way of doing it. Um, and what do you have to lose? There is enterprise solutions learning as well. So it's not going to be free, I'm pretty sure, because I gotta make the monies. Um, but yes, just be sure you know what you're getting into before you actually do it. But there's different types of things you can do. Breaking news, article, videos, sponsored series, social marketing as well. Newsroom of the future, local advertisements, and so much more. That's right. An enterprise version for that is different types of thing. It's fully mobile, so that's always a good thing. But for the enterprise, you get creation, unlimited sound bites, unlimited supporting shots, unlimited length, add multiple logos, advanced audio mixing, add lower thirds, add watermark, advanced trimming, Advanced photo animation and commercial music license, post management, unlimited co uh, company size, unlimited employee users, unlimited video storage, collect metadata, collect employee videos, rules, and permissions, re uh, remote logo control, video platform integration, corporate editorial control, and access to video just APIs. So if you're looking for a way to actually get into video making, this actually would be a, a great start for you as well. All right, that is the end of Marketing Bunny. That's a little bit longer than before. Woo! Anyways, thank you guys for tuning in. Be sure to follow or subscribe to Digital Coffee on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Be sure to hit that subscribe and show, you know, give me a review or some great feedback, not just you suck, um, if you want to as well. Plus, follow Digital Coffee on Twitter, DigitalCO77E, Facebook at Digital Coffee. 
YouTube and Digital Coffee Podcast, Instagram and Digital Coffee Podcast, player.me and Digital Coffee, Vine and Digital.coffee. And if you like these podcasts, please consider supporting me on Patreon and Digital Coffee. All right, guys, join me on Friday when I go through gaming news with PC and PC gaming, specifically on Gamers Cafe. All right, guys, have a good Thursday. Later.